to the pod hey it's been a bit of a setup today how are you doing technical difficulty (laughs) i was so thrown off by that how are you doing chipper um i'm doing fine dog is yapping in the background (laughs) anyways Uh, what's been going on today um I'm feeling, like, mildly distraught. I just feel like we've had so many back-to-back, like, <clears throat> our schedules have just been so packed today with all these Work. things we have going yeah. on. But it is the last day of um, micro-braids, so I'm in, like, a really great mood about that. Did you say uh, the last day of micro-braids? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Retrograde? <laughs> Retrograde. Enunciation. Yeah, it's over today, so I'm feeling really good about that element, and... The you know, what's to come. Clear. Yeah, and I've been seeing a lot of angel numbers, which means I'm on the right path. Just one. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> one angel number. Can you not tear me down? What was the other time? I saw 11-11 this Today? morning. Today? Yeah. I'm oh. telling you I'm on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I never see angel numbers. Well, sounds like you need to do some shadow work. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Anyways. Apparently there is a... I don't know what I'm saying. Apparently, I literally just saw it on TV 24. There's um, a homeless encampment in Trinity Bellwoods yeah. that's existed for quite some time that has resulted in a standoff today with police forces. It's so outrageous. I think it comes at heightened frustration from Mayor... John Tory. Yeah. Mayor of Toronto, by the way, if anyone's Mayor, confused Mayor about what city we're talking about. Um, and Trinity Bell is like a park in downtown Toronto that, like, I, it didn't, we didn't have as much of a, like, a homeless issue in that park until COVID hit, and it's kind of turned into a place where a lot of people have come together and created a community. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah, no, they created about a the community. About the increase in encampments. Yeah, and also, like, the whole thing that happened with the little homes that were created by that engineer that had been getting torn down. Oh, and then down. ended up getting sued. Yeah, that got sued the by the city. So, yeah, I, there wasn't a lot of, like, information on the lead-up. It just so happened that, like, they, they just, just sort of bombarded ran up today. on them today with a bunch of, like, volunteers, many of which were POC, I might add. Uh, and then the police, and now there's been this, like, huge standoff. Yeah, so there have been calls for people, like, citizens, to come down to... Um to Trinity Bellwoods and they've formed a human chain around how old school some of these encampments um yeah I think there's frustration on the cities and because apparently there have been a lot of fires in the encampments Mm. in 2020 they said they responded to 253 fires a 47 percent increase over the same period in 2019 
and seven people have lost their lives since 2010 as a result of fires and encampments in Toronto. I don't want to trivialize, obviously, those tragedies, but that's like... <coughs> Bless you. Oh, goodness, sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, not a lot. It's, it sounds like they're grasping at straws for yeah, reasons. Like, even to, to be like, it's because of fires. Like, let's be honest about the reason why you don't want those encampments there. It's not because they've had too many fires. Like, Yeah, that's like... Like, what does that even One mean? person... 0.5 people a year for also, the last like, 10 years. Homes have so many... Like, there are so many more fires happening in the city or, like, outside city of re- that Yeah, unrelated deaths. It's just so crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was just, like, the militarization of the, the, the police. Like, I don't think we've seen anything quite like that outside of, like, major protests Coordinated tactical unit. It's ugly. Yeah. And shocking. And I do think it's... Yeah, it's also very distasteful that they didn't say anything and that he I don't know I'm not his biggest fan yeah it seems like homeboy just pops up at random points like he's very quiet and then he just makes his presence known in line with the police I feel like he just like is very aligned with creating a police presence in the city but police state yeah yeah shocking well not shocking yeah also like I don't really care about Trinity Bellwoods being free of encampments. I feel like I I don't frequent that park. <laughs> that park. I mean, it's I, crazy. Like there are a lot of encampments, but also like the park is so big. Like there are there's room for everyone. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. And it's like also thinking like realistically, who does the park need to be free of? encampments for yeah the 905ers as they were saying (laughs) everyone from north of the city that claims to be from toronto no it's also just like the yeah just like people who day drink escaping corporate mania yeah like like, it's like stupid who cares yeah honestly i just i don't know i don't i don't i don't really think that this is great for him i feel like this makes a strong case for defunding police police yeah Yeah, and i it's yeah i'm just thinking like from a from a pr perspective like it just it looks sort of it reflects poorly on tory very very poorly yeah but he's not very at all (laughs) at all but you would think he would do like a like have a crumb about him to be like "Mm, perhaps like i shouldn't just like we were talking about defunding the police not that long ago and we decided against this issue with a a, a (laughs) touch of caution um (laughs) yeah but it's um it's very odd i don't i don't know why people care if there are tents in Trinity bellwoods because it doesn't make any sense that there's would be um, it's not like a a fa- family neighborhood or like a suburb. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like yeah. a, a mountain. I I would liken it to like Washington Square Park. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of ghetto chic quality. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I guess we're trying to rebrand it. Yeah, um, but I mean, it does lend the question of like 
you know, politicians and their positions and what their viewpoints are. And it kind of takes us into our next I do think topic. my last point, though, before we do um, sort of delve into our, like, cue for today, it is weird that, like you mentioned earlier, they've, it's not like they aren't offering any solutions to um, resolve the uptick in homelessness across the city, not just, like, in that part of the city. Because they aren't, right? Like, yeah. they're not. It's not that they're just not doing that, but also that they're actively undercutting efforts to provide alternative solutions. As yeah, you mentioned, really like, ugly. that... that um, uh, individual who was sued for the homeless encampment um, situation. Let's see if I can find his name. But I think he was sued by the city. Yeah, he was. He was. I was very confused by that because I was like, I would live in... I'd live in one of his tiny homes. Yeah, essentially... <laughs> Like, they looked really nice. Essentially, this like, guy Like, a lot was... of, like, open... Khalil Severite, yeah. So he was, like, a, a Toronto carpenter. That's and he had these really idea. interesting, beautiful, sort of, like, small... Um, small, um, like, structures or shelters. And um, the application that he sort of had um filed was to provide unhoused people with warm spaces in the winter because of the pandemic and they came with smoke and carbon monoxide detectors and fire fire extinguishers and i feel like that's more than any civil society organization has done (laughs) for like it's a very creative yeah i know yeah all things considered i know and then i guess there was a fire at a makeshift structure in a downtown Toronto park. Okay, mm-hmm. I get that. So then that's um, and then someone in the shelter died, but it wasn't clear who built this that structure destroyed by the fire. So I guess it's sort of unrelated <laughs> to his project. They said it had nothing to do with what he was doing. Yeah. So then the city said that they weren't suing him specifically, like the mm. carpenter, but they are seeking an injunction to stop placing or relocating wooden structures <laughs> in parks. They said it's not about you, but it's quite literally attacking like your the, whole framework. Or, like, the idea that you, yeah, the idea that you you sort of introduced to, in the name of um, community organizing and mutual aid. Yeah, that's so weird. Um, but, I don't know, I feel like I... I don't know, they're, they're really... They're really nice looking. Open concept. I feel like (laughs) it's like open concept. No, because like in ten years, who's gonna be able to (laughs) afford to not live in an encampment? It's true. It's true. It's true. I mean, it's so. I just think it's such. It it feels like such a money grab. Like the idea is like we can't tax these people, therefore they shouldn't live there. But the reality of the situation is like. They don't have housing. Completely abandoned by the system and priced out. And also with COVID, like safety and 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 like they were releasing photos of what they had envisioned for homeless people during the time of COVID in the shelters, and it was quite literally like plexiglass separated beds Um. in like one open space. And I'm like, what about? It's like giving zoo. It's like not giving like people that need yeah or prison. Literally in prison, Mm. you have more. 
like division like, yeah. yeah like privacy like it's not yeah. it's not a way for people to live and i just understand like what the war on homelessness is in toronto and like why it's coming all of a sudden like it's so strange to me yeah it's giving power hungry government to me i'd love to see a toronto where everyone sort of lived in an encampment in a park of their choosing that's where it's going, girl. And then I'd get to have my own garden. <laughs> my very own. My very own high park. <laughs> Someone who lives in her family home. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I would have my own garden outside of the garden I have right now. In my home. But yeah. yeah, no, not to trivialize that um, issue, but homelessness has always been a rampant problem in, in Toronto. But I just hope that... I, I, I don't know what sort of revolutionary action will be needed outside of community organizing like this to kick him off his high horse yeah i mean yeah i mean he's gone through a lot during the pandemic who physically has? <laughs> it's terrible oh my god i didn't think he was ever like the beacon of hell. no i know but it's like i saw a press conference he's not of him fully recently. underground and i was like dude like you gotta I, I do don't even know something why he's doing about press that like no one asked yeah but it goes back to the charisma <laughs> thing like he's not yeah. he's definitely not um charismatic guy not even care he's just yeah like there's i can't think of so many words to <laughs> to sort of describe his yeah. um, sort of mouse-like appearance. Yes, John Tory Rose. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, ideological differences yeah. aside, yeah. right? Like, yeah. anyways, yeah. I'm not getting into that today. Yeah. I'm not interested in that um, battle. Uh, cue for today. So we have. Um, the rise of fascist propaganda social media accounts. Yeah, essentially. But make it Gen Z. <laughs> make it Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. So which this has been coming in for a long. This is an idea we've sort of been ruminating on for a while, because it happened a couple weeks ago, actually, when. There was heightened tension with um, Gaza, yeah, because of the um, the bombings uh, within um, Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the death toll in Gaza <laughs> surpassed two hundred. Um, individuals this was back in like end of may Mm -hmm. i want to say and then there's i'm assuming there's a team that runs the verified (laughs) state twitter account for israel i don't think it's one person which is just i mean i feel some people i think think it's netanyahu oh at the time right he's not the the leader he's just running rampant on their twitter account (laughs) but i was like i'm sure they have a team like within i would hope but it's not the ministry of like uh foreign affairs or like social affairs but they um decided it would be a good idea to tweet a bunch of rocket emojis and then i guess each one of them symbolizes a rocket shot by hamas towards israel they said symbolism 
Yeah, so it's like, I yeah, when I saw that, I saw it because it was retweeted onto my timeline, or like ratioed, I guess. Yeah. Um, ratioing as in like, the the amount of quote tweets mm-hmm. superseded the um the retweets or the likes, um, so they sent twelve tweets, oh, 12 tweets of, twelve separate tweets of individ of rocket emojis, so in total they tweeted, <laughs> three thousand a hundred and sixty rocket emojis, wow. and then the final tweet in the thread said, just to give you all some perspective. These are the total amount of rockets shot at Israeli civilians. Each one of these rockets is meant to kill. It's giving... Should I think the rockets meant to kill... That was a little unnecessary. That's implied. It's all... It's all... I... But this is one instance. One instance of sort of this, like, this, uh, I guess, sort of surgence. Because it wouldn't be a resurgence. But, like, this, like, rise of... um, of like branded from a from a more corporate perspective yeah um social media presence of states or like nation states which i haven't really seen outside of the um example of israel um and then obviously the Ethiopian government. Yeah, but isn't Mans but, um, tweeting from his personal account? Um, with Israel? No, no, no. Oh, um, in e- with the Ethiopian <laughs> example, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so with the Israel, I think that that one received quite a lot of backlash from um, a variety of individuals, mostly trying to counter um, the... The, what the the tweeting of the emojis represent um, and obviously that conflict is still ongoing and the UN has sort of called for an end to violence and so I'm less interested in I guess sort of delving into the nuances of that whole situation yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different podcast episode yeah. but um, in terms of the social media element um, people have been vocalizing sort of um, these stories or uh, responding with the stories of high-profile Palestinian doctors who were killed um, in the conflict and um, uh, in, that, in that specific weekend uh, that went, where this was tweeted. Mm-hmm. And um, also children in refugee camps that have been targeted by sort of Israeli rockets as well. Um, and how many individuals that has um, killed. Um, but, yeah. It's I don't, so strange. Like, I don't know. It's, I do think it, it, and there was also that issue where, where they tweeted, like, personally at um, Bella Hadid <laughs> for her, the activism that she's sort of been doing through her Instagram yeah. and Twitter profiling. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's, I do think it's a little weird when a state, um, it's like dystopian. It is. Extremely dystopian that a state verified Twitter account is tweeting these sorts of things. I almost anticipate it from individuals, 
just because, and we'll delve into this in a minute, yeah. the example of um, some of these leaders who are hell-bent on, nation leaders who are hell-bent on preserving public perception of their... Reputations. Regime and <laughs> reputations, yeah. yeah. I also think this speaks to the fact that, like, the fact that this head of state has the resources to have a like a verified Twitter account already says so much to the imbalance of the situation. It's like not only mm-hmm. are they in online the middle presence. of war, they have this online presence to spread propaganda, or like PR uh, machine. Yeah, you know? that's like backing these ideas or tearing down people who have opposition concepts that are just people who have their opinions like yeah, it's such a strange angels. concept and even using emojis like all of it is just so distasteful and strange that and also I, i'm interested i don't understand why it hasn't been like obviously it's it's a little bit trickier to say like it's a hate crime but something about this is giving like i don't understand how this is existing on this platform or even how that works oh with twitter safety yeah yeah, yeah i do think well well i mean I think Twitter has sort of has this mandate to address disinformation and propaganda and um, hate-motivated speech, but I haven't really seen that translate into practice given the numerous amounts of examples of sort of lack of action or just inaction, like especially when it comes to... um, you know, there was this, there were was a lot of praise for the way that they got Donald Trump very yeah. quickly off the platform, but there have been many conflicts, sort of, especially civil conflicts, yeah. sort of propping up, um, obviously there's the Ethiopia example, yeah. but even with Burma, um, where in Myanmar, like, different countries where people have been able to spread misinformation online, yeah. and Twitter has taken action in a reactive way yeah. sort of once the damage has already been done i will say they're better than facebook facebook sort of has no standard for <laughs> no no misinformation like, policy guidelines around surrounding Clearly. propaganda we've all got the dms or the messages on whatsapp from our parents <laughs> about <laughs> nutrition and about horrible things happening in the world yeah but also their um their whole scandal back with um during the election mm-hmm. with cambridge analytica and like yeah i just i i automatically assume that facebook is co-opting my data for some wicked evil yeah project yeah to further destabilize the human race but <laughs> i mean i just you i i've sort of accepted that yeah. it's yeah. like a it's a matter of circumstance yeah. right like i don't i don't anticipate standards for facebook also because mark zuckerberg is like a witch <laughs> no. No, all of our personal that, no. stakes <laughs> No, it's, to light. it's, no, it's not, it's, I've sort of, like, um, assuaged away my, my weird, yeah, apprehensions, like, towards that, but I, I do think, you know, I think that some people have faith that Twitter is, is sort of 
I don't even know if I believe I don't, in that statement true. that Twitter is taking action. It's not but, taking action. But I also think it's important to keep in mind, like, who are the heads of these companies? What are their priorities? Like, who... Yeah, how, maintaining engagement. Yeah. yeah. And also, yeah. not only engagement, but also, like, on more of a conspiracy level theory, um, the idea that, like, who is behind these accounts? What are these people's personal stakes like who do they align yeah, with in opinions. these conflicts like yeah. i think what voices do they amplify of course and yeah. also it, it comes with the situation of like obviously these voices are able to be spread obviously instagram and twitter are not uh, like they're not necessarily the most aligned but on instagram a lot of accounts were being muted during this period and i didn't see yeah. a lot of muting They're on the like other side down. Yeah, yeah i didn't see a lot of shadow banning on the other side of the perspective so it is interesting yeah. to see like what voices are amplified and what public perception is around who's being amplified and who's not being amplified yeah I, that is another thing i forgot to to um to mention as well was the the active deleting of um accounts that shared pro-palestinian yeah. um, sentiment or like just shadow banning and yeah. all these things yeah it is interesting that was interesting but um yeah i mean it's not it's not just related to um the campaign in and to sort of eradicate um individuals in palestine but also in in tigray as well in ethiopia um i just sort of curated a selection of my favorite tweets. Oh my god, literally a disaster. <laughs> the Ethiopian government. That's literally so crazy. They tweeted back at the beginning of June, um, Ethiopia, meanwhile, says, in an effort to address humanitarian need in hashtag Tigray, <laughs> food items are delivered to 4.5 million beneficiaries, so, um, individuals beneficiaries mm -hmm. in first round and 4.5 million in second and third rounds um 5.2 billion ethiopian burr or 131 million dollars has been distributed and the ethiopian government covered 70 percent of that hashtag don't play famine card which is um in response to reports <laughs> that almost all civilians in tigray need life-saving aid <laughs> <laughs> and that okay. a famine has started. <laughs> Hashtag. So this was the Ethiopian embassy in Canada that tweeted that. that. Um, but also the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, like the verified Twitter account um, for the Ethiopian government, um, has released tons of infographics, tweets, MailChimp newsletters i wouldn't be surprised if they start a substack <laughs> of them um oh. you know sort of debunking myths of the the what they refer to as the conflict in Tigray and thanking their supporters in the diaspora for amplifying literally cannot with the that. message that ethiopia will prevail which i thought was um insulting <laughs> not insulting ridiculous I can't say funny. Outrageous? <laughs> like, uh, disturbing, yeah. <laughs> disturbing and, and, um, it's like... sort of out of touch with, with, again, it comes back to this question of public perception. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we see the current, um, prime minister, so I'm just trying to pull up his profile and, 
see if I can find anything other than it's following zero people photos of a hedge in the shape of Ethiopia him at mid meetings talking about how wonderful things are photos of progress factories (laughs) him planting a tree ugh we whole PR package like him in a uniform I just can't with him I literally cannot yeah, I do think that, or, yeah, tweeting about the tea production potential in Ethiopia. Meanwhile, there's, like, people literally. six months left of the empire. <laughs> I can't, I literally cannot. And what's interesting is also we've seen it on the news now, but yeah. on the lens of the election, which is another thing, apparently. Yeah, I didn't even know there was, that an election was yeah, because going nobody to go forward. Yeah, nobody because can vote. so many political parties have been isolated. But I do think his... His uh, social media presence, like his Twitter account, is a very interesting um, look into case study of sorts. The yeah, of yeah. his sociopathy in a way, like <laughs> the etymology of his deranged derangement. Like uh, it's also interesting because there have been, you know, obviously special interest groups and and people who beyond the humanitarian element of it are concerned that he's siphoning off different parts of the country so like agricultural production Mm. telecommunications like sector like just like trying to sell ethiopia out to the highest bidder Mm. um which is interesting because it's been a lot of the the problems a lot of people have had with previous governments like that's been the conversation it's like too much foreign investment like we should keep things in ethiopia like why are we bringing in all these like people to come in and invest in the country but that seems to not be a conversation he's sort of in bed with anyone who is willing to come to the table with him yeah um and you know obviously i have you know i'm not too invested in his relationship with Isaiah Safworki, the... Oh, can't even get into that. Cancer of the Horn of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't really care about that so much as I... Because, you know, that, that relationship will sort of see itself to its own dramatic end. Mm-hmm. But um, to, no, to no favor of this guy. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, um, I do think that it's it's interesting that not too many people are understanding the connection to the Middle East and what stake the Emirates and Saudis have um, in in their relationships with him and yeah. also sort of the, the lack of a stance of an issue with Russia and China mm-hmm. and how that could potentially set up a proxy war with the US. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these different relationships that um, maybe don't have um, anything to, you know, as much. They they have less to do with the individuals on the mm-hmm. ground as they do with, um, you know, um, as they do with these sort of nation states at yeah. the international cooperation level. Yeah, but it is interesting. Also, I believe the spokesperson. Is she the press secretary or the spokesperson? Is Canadian. Love that for her. And <laughs> she's a Canadian citizen. She's not an Ethiopian citizen. So 
there's a part of me that wishes that she could be extra diamond. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be such a dream. I don't know why she hasn't been, given that she's a war criminal. Well, I think... I sort of pity her, because I know that in the future, she... Um, oh, her name's Blaine uh, Seum. Yeah, so she she's... We're going to see this sort of, like, tell-all of how she didn't have any choice, and she was so mm. sad, and this sort of, like, repetition of... Um, the, like, neoliberalism, feminist, who actually plays into a lot of really detrimental carceral politics. And um, she's going to say that it, it happened against her own will. Yeah. And all those poor children and women who died under my watch. Oh my god, literally enough. So, enough. Um, she, she sort of takes that same approach of the defensive of... Um, as an African feminist, we love that them. any sort of criticism for the regime is is done in the in the effort to undermine the strength of the independent African state. I literally cannot with that. I can't. But I think what's interesting is like it's also just dishonest to the history of the country. But I that's, digress. That's a <laughs> it's a larger story. We can have a whole episode on that whole thing. I think it's clear what our position is on what's going on. We've aligned ourselves naturally with the UN and what mm -hmm. the actual story and is call versus for the independent propaganda. investigations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> versus the propaganda. But it, it is interesting, like, because obviously we've seen civil conflict play into, obviously, turn into genocide in, in a lot of African countries and even Asian countries and across the mm -hmm. world over the last few decades. And it's interesting because before it was the whole conversation around genocide oftentimes was we don't have the information it's yeah. not clear that this is happening if we knew earlier we would have intervened mm -hmm. but now it's like we're we're learning about things because obviously there's a greater level of insight naturally because of the way that journalism is set up and the way that we have access to places that we didn't have access to previously and we're also seeing the propaganda machine it's like as if obviously i'm gonna make a large statement here but if if it's like if hitler had a twitter account it's like yeah, it's he's speaking very confusing from his yeah. perspective and somehow is verified and speaking on things or completely disregarding the experiences of people on the ground and they're opposing it's almost worse because there are opposing narratives and institutions that in theory are meant to hold him accountable yeah. but they just aren't able to because either they have special interests of their own or they just, I don't know what's worse, if that's what it is, yeah. or they just don't have any real tangible power to intervene. But anyways, <sighs> tragic. I just think that, I think the aesthetic element, obviously, which is completely separate from yeah. the actual conflict itself, yeah. is, it's, it's horrible, it's just as horrible as the conflict, but it's entertaining if you disassociate entirely. <laughs> no, I was gonna... <laughs> well, everything's entertaining if you disassociate, but um, no, I was going to say it's entertaining if you, um, if you understand that they believe that it, that the, the world is believing everything that they say, but they must know that it's, that's not the case because they wouldn't be fighting so hard to prove that they're not actually 
criminals. Homeboy is clearly completely delusional. Obviously, yeah, the tour he, before. I mean, I would say that yeah, piece, him, like all of it. He's a separate, unique case, but I think that I I wonder how the rest of the actors and in institution. I don't know if it's they're desperate to maintain their position or a reputation because they know that once this is all over, they'll have no nowhere to go. Mm. Perhaps. I don't know who would want to be affiliated with the remnants of a genocidal um, uh, regime, yeah. political regime, especially because history has demonstrated that they don't get treated very well, usually end up in prisons or at the ICC or living a life of exile in another African mm-hmm. country with another dictator thinking of Mengistu in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. <laughs> no someone tried to kill him like twice two separate occasions that's super shocking and I was like you can't leave your house I'm even sorry. in the country of refuge you can't leave your house and the minute that guy dies it's gonna happen to you it's just so crazy <laughs> it's just so crazy yeah yeah I don't know it's it's all wild and it it um, evokes, you know, sort of this broader issue of um, that I've been thinking about how states, nation states with Twitter accounts and even the heads of nation states and their the members of their governments love to, you know, wax poetic about how they're defending their country and the reputation of their country and they want their countries to prevail and that anyone who has dissent online is sort of trying to lie or criticize <laughs> like i don't even know what it is like take shots at them yeah when we see that censorship actually destabilizes individuals who have more left-leaning mm-hmm. views and and those aren't you know the views that i guess centrist or or um right-leaning individuals deem as um problematic like or, or like too far on the spectrum yeah. like the like i'd say that are actually more accepted when it comes to the risk of losing your job yeah. Whereas if you um, share an opinion in support of, or, or I guess align yourself politically with um, leftist ideology, you're actually more likely to lose your position. Which is so outrageous because that's not what is sold yeah. via mainstream media. There's like a disconnect. A complete disconnect, which is so interesting that we've, a lot of the people who have spoken out publicly about censorship or like oh well it's important to hear the opinions of those spewing hateful speech or you know their opinions in that way are like censoring them is so problematic and it causes so many issues but in reality it's like there's so much more to lose for people who are speaking against these massive regimes and you know positioning themselves with what maybe gen z or a lot of young people feel like is the clear obvious or is humanitarian i'd say yeah like, something that would be considered center among our generation is probably um, more left-leaning for previous yeah. generations. Yeah. yeah. But then That's you'd still get in trouble 
at work or with your academic institution for that. Yeah. I'm thinking specifically as well when um, sort of at the height of the media coverage of the Gaza um, situation with the Associated Press and um, Emily Wilder. I don't know if you want to sort of recap that situation, but she was essentially um, a reporter who was fired from AP for having a clear bias um, towards, um, or I'd say in favor of um, Palestine, or was was, um, noted as supporting Palestine through her tweets, from when she was in college. Yeah, which is interesting to me because it's, it, you would think that in a story like this where somebody is ousted for their opinions on a, on a conflict, it would be opinions that would come out about the conflict at its height. Following, or during, like, not even at its height, but like do, during the time that she was with AP. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. she was But like they were from her past. Things. Yeah, when she was a college student, which like half the things I said when I was in college, I would... <laughs> Also, she was part of these institutions previously. It wasn't yeah. like this was secretive information. Like yeah, so she um she is Jewish actually. Um, but she told the Washington Post, um, who reported on the story after she was fired, I believe, mm-hmm. um, that she was a member of the pro-Palestinian group's Jewish Voice for Peace and Students for Justice in Palestine when she was studying at Stanford, and um a post where she shared uh, on social media that she would be attending the Jewish Voice for Peace's Return the Birthright protest um, because millions of, in her view, millions of Palestinian refugees and their descendants cannot visit or return to their parents' or grandparents' homes. Um that led um, the Stanford College Republicans um, group to state that she um, was a part of an organization with ties to Hamas. Which is the go-to argument every time someone has an opposing opinion. Yeah, which is notorious for inflicting acts of intimidation and violence against pro-Israel students. So... Um, she notes that she was transparent from the very beginning, and I have, uh, that, uh, she had opinions in college, and, um, never denied that, and that she doesn't regret anything, uh, but, you know, it is a little confusing, um, in terms of what the landscape then is post her firing, um, especially given that she... She just mentioned that she had aligned herself with those groups in college, but had never shared anything on social media yeah. that, that lended itself to extremism of any kind. No. Um, not that that would affect her reporting, but it is interesting um, in terms of the landscape for other employees or other writers at the reporters at the Associated Press, which... I'd say poises itself as quite a yeah. neutral. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, it doesn't even come off as an organization or yeah, it's the not an MSNBC no. or a Fox, not or at a, all, or CNN. Yeah. Also, journalists are like 
the members of society that in theory are supposed to be able to express their opinions they're quite literally have hired opinions. yeah they're hired for their opinions and the yeah. fact that they have opinions and those are what we're bringing to light like that's the point Our of coverage. their job yeah so Unlike it's strange podcasters just, sort of just <laughs> riff yeah i mean it just yeah. doesn't make any sense it's not like you're working in an industry that has nothing to do with the fact like your whole job is to have an opinion yeah it's just them covering their ass i think it's, but also yeah i mean there's also instances of um you know with um nicole hannah jones as well who was denied tenure at unc and i think the most obvious connection there is her involvement with and she also won the pulitzer for um special commentary i think it was for her involvement in the 1619 project which covered um um the legacy of slavery and sort of um you know the that that time period of where the colonies that eventually became the united states were experiencing um slavery but i think her involvement in that project brought up a lot of backlash mm. from conservative groups in north Naturally. carolina <laughs> i mean yeah sort of we all know what north carolina par is like. for the course <laughs> some of us are uniquely attuned to the <laughs> to the, to the situation the, on the ground in north carolina yeah. um but yeah yeah so i mean what a lot of people don't understand about the the university public university system of north carolina is that the university board of trustees is they have a direct connection or they draw some sort of influence from the north carolina legislature um and it's republican controlled so they appoint the university's systems board of governors and the board of governors has control over the board of trustees and so obviously you know there's there was an inclination there to offer her more of a fixed-termed contract mm-hmm. based on her progression in the role as a professor as opposed to what is rightfully deserved for an individual who has a MacArthur who like it which is a genius grant and has you know this Pulitzer and um attended UNC it's and just so it's outrageous like, it's you know regardless of of your opinion on her work or where she stands ideologically you know i think we can all agree that she's she was more than deserving of tenure yeah exceptional exactly um so it is a little crazy yeah that her (laughs) opinions crazy is right would impede uh that sort of uh offering of tenure but those are the clearest examples i can think of in terms of um in terms of censorship actually uh like actual actual censorship for sharing your opinions through your profession which is about sharing opinions (laughs) like it's actually so i think the, the part that i find shocking and scary not shocking as much because i feel like i have a little bit of an understanding of the the back end of how things work just based on like critical thinking skills Mm -hmm. but it's like to think that these institutions who are 
meant to be spreading non-biased information are so biased at the root is mm. so scary to think because it's like an institution like an educational institution in theory that's public you would yeah. think that they are coming from a place of like okay well we want to incorporate the ideas of the people that we are serving and who they are and and create a space that's safe and comfortable like a for people yeah, yeah exactly like that's equitable and has everyone's opinions at heart you would think that they would create space for people with opposing opinions especially people who are so well aligned with the institutions and even yeah. with ap it's like the point of these institutions is to create space. It, it doesn't make sense to me that now they're, like, shutting out opinions mm-hmm. of people who are quite literally going to be expanding knowledge and creating more of a real dialogue between groups. So it's just so, like... Yeah, but in the end, those individuals who are encouraged to share their ideas are often censored back into silence. And then if, you know... you. There's a lack of compliance there, termination it's of so the It's so crazy. It's so yeah, outrageous. For doing the thing that they were brought on to do, which is to, to innovate and to provide new perspectives. and It's giving stay in your place. Like, you know, that whole concept of, like, yeah, like it's fine for you to do this, but, like, remember who Within you are in relation. Within the confines of the organization. Exactly. Yeah. And oftentimes that plays into race. It plays into gender and things that you would think – are all the intersections yeah you would think are (laughs) non-negotiables at these like extreme these huge organizations who in theory are representations of all that is futuristic and progress like yeah but i think also that's the that's the downside to having an not a very inward looking approach to diversity of perspective but more of like a and it's a desperate attempt to to save face or to uh, imply that there is forward thinking happening at the or- respective organization not. when that's clearly not the case. Which but is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, there's so many depressing. examples of that. Um, but you know, there is someone I I should think should I think should be censored. <laughs> So a lot of people I think should be censored. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's tons. Quite a few individuals yeah. I think could could we could benefit. Yeah. The world could benefit from them being censored. John Stewart is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is our uh, sort of the last thing I, I wanted to cover. His appearance on Colbert and Which um, is very out of character and yeah, I mean not really. I, I think it's just, I think his reemergence every once in a while into the real world is, like, not endearing in the way that Bo Burnham does it. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's not. I, I would, it's like the thing you were saying earlier, like, I wish that he would just either stick to to like never showing yeah, himself full Jim again Carrey, like yeah. hiding out doing your art yeah. like delving further into the madness yeah or just come back to late night yeah stop coming up and just yeah. like spewing randomness and then disappearing into the abyss yeah so he went on colbert and basically sort of um pontificated on the the like the the beginnings or the like the origins of uh COVID-19 yeah after talking and quickly touching it was on in a lab yeah it was man-made 
Yeah, yeah he, yeah. like, touched on the fact that, like, oh, we're vaccinated now. It's, like, we've all gone vaccinated, like, da-da-da, like, yeah. talking about that element, and then went into the fact that, like... We shouldn't trust science. The full conspiracy theory that, like, oh, it was started in the lab and released. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that, the, like, full conspiracy theory energy, like, the yeah. lab is called this, and the, the, the virus is called this, and, like, started in a lab, and, like, obviously science has its benefits, however, but full, yeah. like, beard stubble, like... You could see Colbert trying to backtrack, like... Multiple Full times. panic. Yeah, mode. you like really panic. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a rough uh, week for him. Rita Moreno. John he's like, Stewart. this is not what I intended to happen. Yeah, he's like, I, I invite these people <laughs> and they come onto my show and then, like, you know, they, they try to, to spin their propaganda. Oh my God. But it's great press. I'm sure he's going to fire it's his It's great. <laughs> or, I mean, or his who booking knows? Agent. Who yeah. knows, though? Because it is great PR, you know? Yeah. I just. He, he remains sort of calm. I never see him get too red. But, I mean, I I don't know. I'm, like, I don't really care if Jon Stewart, like, believes in conspiracy theories. I think a healthy amount of belief in conspiracy theories is permissible. Naturally. I believe in a lot of conspiracy <laughs> theories. Yeah. I just think it's, like, pick a side. It's kind of lame that you don't. Like, stand in your truth. I just don't understand, like, the point. But I've never really... I used to be a fan. Politically aligned with him in that sense. I used to be a fan because I was like, I just love, like, how outrageous he gets. Like, I just love that he's, like, full rant mode. Like, I enjoyed that about his late night presence. Like, I liked that about him. I was like, oh, this guy, like, seems, like, obviously, like, mildly unhinged, but in comparison to, like, other late night... Hosts. Oh, like for a liberal. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. giving a little bit like more of a, in theory a free thinker in comparison to who or like belongs to that space. In terms of I I guess yeah, well, I would say that that's I would confine that to body language because I wouldn't say he's his super free. Yeah. But like, I also think we live in um our own bubble. bubbles. <laughs> and I think your bubble is like even more, <laughs> more select, a selective bubble, and I think you know completely black. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's you know, I think there's a misconception sometimes that you have that like you're not as um, much of an you're not as in a bubble as you think you are, yeah. and like the people no, that agree. that you look to for no, but he's he's a liberal. Yeah. Oh, he's for sure. A yeah, and he's yeah. he he's leans like people think that he's outrageous and more on the yeah, left, but he's. Pretty yeah, in comparison, yeah. To, obviously, <laughs> clearly you're seeing where we come no, from. No, in comparison to a lot of people who are just, you know, maybe well, not, not on, on the pod. <laughs> Fingers crossed, we'll be coming. Yeah. Um, no, but just, like, people who are on the mainstream platform. Like, yeah. he's not giving the same energy as a lot of them, but that's not saying much. But it is, I, I, I don't know, I don't really understand the reason for him to come up and, and have a rant. Like, what's the point? Is it for press? Is it for, is he a narcissist and he just wants his voice heard? Like, I'm just confused about what that root of that is. He did give us Trevor Noah, who is also ideologically bankrupt, but <laughs> But hot, he is a person so. of color, so, you know, we pick our battles. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's relatively attractive. No, uh, yeah, I was going to say, oh, I don't even care about the Isn't he South African? Yeah. <laughs> we have personal opinions on yeah. South Africa. I can't um, listen to him talk, but I can watch him on mute. Uh, I see. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm not... I I just, like... It just has given me, like, a little bit to think about. It, it was like, just what is the funny. Of the problem? What his To rant? watch. <laughs> it was entertaining. I was just... 
yeah, I was just kind of like, what's the vibes? Like, what's the, what, who cares? But that's a good way to end. That's the always day. the vibes, is who cares? <laughs> who cares? That we didn't just speak about things for an hour Stay just to say class. who cares. <laughs> yeah. yeah.